Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libsyn.com. The site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show. Heath Ledger, 14 years old. He had a very busy day. And he was doing a couple of things. Acting, uh, sports. And his parents were driving him from here to there, always on the go. His father, Kim, remembers lying in bed with him one night, just relaxing after a long day. It was around 11 o'clock p.m., and Heath was exhausted, but he had a smile right on his face. The young man gazed at his ceiling, Above him were fluorescent stars that would glow in the dark. Heath said to his father that what's going on right now, all this busyness, I better get used to it because this is what I'm going to be doing when I'm older. Always busy. I'm going to make it in film, he said. And his dad never forgot that proclamation and how it came true. That memory he will never forget. Heath Ledger He did stay busy, very busy. The young actor had a mind that was always racing, full throttle ahead. I've heard interviews that he has stated that he really didn't have any short-term goals. He wasn't lying. To be an actor, you must live and experience life moment to moment to moment. But he most definitely had goals. And it started back when he was a young teenager. The goals he had were long-term, and he always received nothing but support from his family. Welcome back once again to another episode of The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and this is episode number 26. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Having a really nice week. This week flew by. I mean, this had to be probably the fastest week I've ever experienced in my life. For some reason, it seemed like yesterday was Monday. And that usually never happens for me. Work's been great, uh, busy but steady, just real nice. The day kind of flies by, flows by, and uh, that sort of thing. So I guess that's why the week went by so fast. And also another reason why is uh, last Saturday, my wife was really sick. There's this nasty flu going around here in Cleveland. I don't know uh, where else uh, everyone else is from, but here in Cleveland... It's been pretty bad, um, and people have been getting really sick, uh, high fevers, and my wife had it, uh, really knocked her out. Uh, I really felt sorry for her. She's been dragging, and last Saturday, it put us in urgent care, which is pretty close to the emergency room, and we spent pretty much all day there. Her blood pressure was really low, and that's happened before, where she got sick about 10 years ago, and her blood pressure just fell, and her heart rate slows down. And she gets really weak, and it's kind of scary. So we got her in there, and they gave her some medicine. And she's feeling better day by day, but she is just still not 100%. And we're going on week three with this illness that she's got going on. So, uh, you know, and when I found out she was okay, you know, hey, you just don't know about shit like that. And I worry. 
Uh, and when I found out she was going to be fine, you know, the, the whole day I felt just nervous and scared. I don't want anything bad to happen to her. God forbid anything happens to my wife. I'm lost. So <laughs> I was just in a really great mood all week, knowing that she's just fine. She's got just this weird illness and she just, she has pneumonia. Okay. And I've had that before too, when I was a teenager and it really does wipe you out. And, but you know what? She's going to be fine. So I've been in a great mood all week. Work's been great. And also why I'm in a good mood is because I'm going to be discussing Heath Ledger. Um, been wanting to do him. and I'm very excited about it. Um, one of the actors that kind of surprised me. And I say that because when I think of Heath Ledger first, I think of the film called 10 Things I Hate About You. Sort of a very uh, hunky-dory uh, you know, high school movie, and he actually sings at one point, um, some bleachers running around singing a song. I didn't really, um, I, I like the movie, don't get me wrong, um, and I like all the actors that are in that movie too. I think all of them are very good, but for some reason, I'm not going to take a movie like that seriously. And Heath Ledger was in this film, and for some reason, when I saw him slowly going from here to there in his work, in the sort of work he was doing after that, uh, there were a few question marks here and there. But for the most part, each role that he did impressed me more and more. And that's when you know you are seeing greatness. And most of these actors and actresses that I've highlighted so far in this podcast, The Actors Room, do that. The great ones do that. They learn and they grow. They fall on their face, they learn something new, they gain more confidence, and slowly, film by film, they become better and better. If they're doing it right and correctly, that is what will happen. Now, just like Stanley Kubrick, Heath was drawn to photography at an early age, which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, He was sharpening his eyes to art. One of the most important traits of an actor is seeing all the little details and stuff. Sometimes uh, we would do um, um, stuff in class, like exercises in class. And I remember this one where the teacher had us look for specks of, like, uh, I don't know, dents or bumps on the ground. So everybody would be looking at the ground, looking for all its imperfections and things like that, just to see all the small things. They want you to go ahead and have an keen eye. And not to miss anything. So I think that with photography, that's a great example of someone picking up a hobby like photography. You're going to see every little detail in things. All that stuff is important. Sometimes seeing things others do not. There was a time Heath was once taking pictures. And this time it was of a pond. Nothing at all was in the pond. And someone asked him, who was there with him, what are you taking a picture of? There's nothing but a pond, Heath. What's so exciting about that? Now he replied that he was capturing the image of the two birds within the water. And the guy that he was with said, listen, uh, there's no birds in the water, man. So I don't know what you're looking at. And Heath looked back at him and explained that there were birds perched on a tree branch above the pond. And he was capturing their image through the reflection in the pond. Now that is taking it all in and seeing everything around you. And that's what he would do. 
And there's a great documentary on Heath Ledger, um, Dying Too Soon. I think it's a documentary. And they sort of highlight a dozen or so actors or performers that died too young. Well, they did Heath Ledger, and it's a great episode. His dad, Kim, is uh, in it a lot, actually. And it seems like his Heath's mom and sister really kind of want to keep quiet. And I understand, but I think that Heath's dad, Kim, is very open about talking uh, about Heath and he had a bunch of photography that he did he had just like I guess Heath would go ahead and get scrapbooks together of all of his work whether it was photography painting drawing letters writing anything and everything and Kim kept it all you know you know of course he would and photography it seemed that it was very important to Heath And he liked the idea of capturing moments on film. Heath never attended any acting schools and claims that he made all his mistakes on film. Ledger has several priceless quotes that I want to share with you real quick. Now, I only am doing this because I think that Heath, although very... If you watch interviews with Heath, he is all over the place. The guy just seems like he can't sit still. He's always scratching in the, the back of his neck or his, his eye, you know, playing with his hair. Very nervous about giving interviews or, or maybe just in general. He, I think that he was just that type of guy. He just couldn't still and, and all over the place. But in the process of giving interviews, he has given us some great quotes. Here we go. Here's some quotes from Heath Ledger. Quote, I only do this because I'm having fun. The day I stop having fun, I'll just walk away. I'm kind of addicted to moving. But there you go. Okay. If you are just safe about the choices you make, you don't grow. I don't feel like I have anything to lose. So I don't really understand what I'm putting at risk. I can't tell you the key to success. But I can tell you the key to failure is trying to please everybody. I apologize for my terrible interviewing skills. (laughs) I, I thought it's refreshing. Seeing someone like Heath give an interview, I like it. Because he's being honest and truthful, that's him. He's not faking it. I think a lot of people that give interviews put up a front and they're just so fake. I don't buy most, most interviewed people. I just don't like interviews. I think I've stated in the past. I'm not a big interview guy. I hate watching interviews because I think they're just talking out of your ass. I think they're making shit up. And they're saying things that we want to hear. That's it. And seeing someone like Heath Ledger give interviews. uh, Kurt Cobain gave some great interviews. Um, And uh, I can't think of anybody else. That that might be it. I'm wrong. I'm probably, I'm sure there's more um, that have given fascinating. Lawrence Olivier gave some really great interviews. Very honest. Um, and quite honestly, I just loved hearing him talk anyways. He had such a great voice. And that English accent, it was just Lawrence Olivier. And if you are interested to learn about Lawrence Olivier, I think it was episode number 13. If you want to go back in the archives, and this is what, 26? So... We cut that in half. Lawrence Olivier, episode number 13. If you want to know more about him, you will be pleasantly surprised. And what's really funny, 
going into that episode months ago, um, felt to myself, no one's going to care. It's one of my most popular episodes. Now, mind you, I don't have a lot of people listening. I just don't. But I'm just amazed. It's got to be, I think, the second most popular episode I've ever done. By far the most popular one is River Phoenix. He's blowing everybody out of the water. But second popular uh, is Gary Oldman and then Lawrence Olivier. Never would have thought that. But I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, People are interested to know about Lawrence Olivier. So if you don't know about that, check out episode number 13. Now doing my research on Heath was a bit complicated. Uh, There was a lot going on with this guy. His career and later life are much like River Phoenix. And I say that because both of them were extremely talented, good looking, had loads of potential, very sensitive, had excess energy, and of course died way too soon. Heath Ledger and his family were well known in the city of Perth, Australia. They owned and ran a large foundry that produced metals raw materials, and parts needed to construct pipelines. His dad was a race car driver and mining engineer. His mom, Sally, was a French teacher. And his mom is a descendant from the Scottish Campbell clan. The Campbell clan is infamous for their part in the 1692 massacre of the MacDonald family at Glencoe. April 4th, 1979. Heathcliff Andrew Ledger was born in western Perth. Although his first name is unusual and rare, his parents were big fans of Wuthering Heights. And Wuthering Heights um, is a good movie with Laurence Olivier. Olivier coming up again. Hmm. Okay, well, the Wuthering Heights story had its central characters named Heathcliff and Catherine. And guess what? Heath has a sister and her name is Catherine. Heath attended one of the most prestigious grammar schools in Western Australia, called Guildford. It was a strict school with dress codes for all occasions. He was drawn to sports, playing both cricket and Australian rules football. He also had a love for hockey and was pretty damn good at it, making the first team. He also played chess and became a fine student of the game. Another... uh comparison and a similarity to Stanley Kubrick. Okay, now twice we have had Stanley Kubrick come up and Lawrence Olivier very early in the episode. I'm kind of getting goosebumps. Heath Ledger would have been legendary if he isn't already. God damn it. It just pisses me off knowing that I just can't I can't Get past it. This kid guy. He wasn't a kid. But he was pretty fucking young. Taken away way too young. Just. It's so heart wrenching. Taking a moment. Here we go. And where did I leave off? Okay. Alright. He was drawn to sports. Right. I talked about that. Okay. Uh, He played chess. And that's. But reminded me of. Stanley Kubrick and the similarity that he has with Stanley with chess and he became a fine student of the game Uh, and I say that because he became state junior champion 
at the age of 10 for chess. Now that's impressive. Although the family was well off, he grew up just like any other normal boy. He enjoyed surfing, skateboarding, and fishing. He even won a number of titles at local go-karting races. I love go-karts. I just adore go-karts. And as a kid, I thought it was one of the greatest things ever. Just because a kid is seeing uh, you know, their parents drive around and getting from here to there. And just like mopeds and things like that, go-karts were always just one of those things that I loved. And it looks like Heath did too. Now, he would also make extra money for himself washing cars. But his interest in the theater started when he was 10. He saw his sister Kate on the stage at the City's Globe Theater, and soon enough, he was on stage himself in the same theater playing Peter Pan. Then he faced an interesting decision in school. He had to choose between sports and drama. He couldn't do both. He did not hesitate The decision was drama. And Heath remembers how this was frowned upon in his teacher's eyes. The teachers felt that he was wasting his time. And it made him angry. And he had to show them that they were fucking wrong. Of course he loved the movies. And he had a fondness for Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. The classics. I love that. He was a big fan of Kelly. He says he may not have been the greatest actor, but his dancing was incredible and he brought in energy that was engaging. Other favorites of his were Jack Nicholson and Daniel Day-Lewis. And later on, I am going to play for you a clip that is just a tearjerker. Well, for me it was. And... I would strongly suggest for you to watch it on YouTube. And it is Daniel Day-Lewis in the middle of an interview with Oprah Winfrey. And during the interview, he stops Oprah and himself and explains how the death of Heath Ledger affected him. And like I said, I'll play that later. Just a little sneak peek into that. And I also want to mention... I highlight Jack Nicholson in episode number six. And I just highlighted Daniel Day-Lewis in episode number 25. Unfortunately, his parents separated during this time. This, of course, affected him tremendously. And he would spend the next two years bouncing back and forth from one to the other. He called his parents his best friends. His dad has been in the forefront of talking about his son, since his death. At the age of 13, Heath performed in a children television show called Clowning Around. Then came another TV show called Ship to Shore. Agents were taking more notice of him because he showed more promise than the other young actors. Now Heath would go on to say that he was at times on the fence about becoming an actor. He did the school plays and loved it, but wasn't convinced he could make a living at it, and it scared him. Then he went with his sister to an audition at an agent's office, and they saw Heath and asked him if he wanted to audition for the show. He said, sure, why not? And guess what? He got it. And just like that, he was a professional actor, and it never stopped. 
The show he got on was called Sweat, and it aired in 1996. It was a controversial show because Heath's character was gay. This was his first big role in acting, and you can see him stumble around a little bit in front of the camera. And I remember seeing old footage of Marlon Brando early in his career during an audition. And you can see Brando pushing his emotion because he was a young actor still finding himself. And there's a lot to be learned in the early stages of anyone's career. Every performance will be a little bit better than the last one. And Heath was learning and growing. Then at the tender age of 16, Heath decided to leave his beautiful hometown of Perth and find himself in the great big world. He had to dive right into the fray to prove to himself that he could do it. He was on his way to Sydney. Heath was independent and looked forward to the challenge of making it on his own. He had to borrow money from his dad to buy gas for the car. And that ended up being the very last bit of money he would ever have to borrow from anyone. Ledger had a happy childhood. Uh, He grew up in a paradise city. He really did. I guess it's a beautiful city. Uh, But he never doubted his his desire to leave. Uh, He wasn't going to second guess his decision to go ahead and leave. Even though it was a beautiful city, he felt that he had to spread his wings. And I see that too. I grew up in a very happy childhood myself. My parents were great. I have a brother. We got along great. Uh, no, no problems. I mean, every family's got their fights and shit like that. I mean, ours wasn't perfect. But I grew up very happy. And because of that, I was raised right. I had parents that loved me, supported me. And in that process, I grew as a person, gained interest like Heath. Uh, and, the, and I had the same desire. I wanted to learn how to act. And I was, uh, so he was 16. I was, I graduated high school when I was 17. And then moved out to New York City two years later. So I was 20-ish. So, wow. Well, he left when he was 16. I don't think I was ready at 16. I guess he was. God bless him. More mature than I was. I would definitely would not have been ready at 16. But I see where he's going here. Um... You want to naturally break away and find yourself. Become your own person. You love your parents and your family, but I think it's very natural for a person to want to go ahead and be their own self. Heath did have some help, though. Uh, He had met a fellow actor by the name of, of Martin Henderson on the set of Sweat, and he offered Ledger a place to crash in Sydney, and that helps big time. His day consisted of this. Up very early, most days by 6 a.m. And he would have a small breakfast and out the door to catch the early waves for surfing. Then he would spend the rest of the day looking for acting jobs. And surfing would play into his next project called Black Rock. It was a disturbing true story about a group of nasty surfers raping a young girl. Oh boy, (laughs) man. Now, it was not well-received, and Heath played Toby, one of the rapists. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. He got a few more minor acting parts in a movie and a soap opera that came next. The soap opera made him absolutely miserable. It was terrible, he said. He would call home to his mom for reassurance. It was a job, but he hated the work. He couldn't act to save himself, he says. But in a good way, 
It was a lesson in bad acting. And soap opera acting is some of the worst acting you will ever see. Ugh. And Heath was in this atmosphere. You got to get the fuck out of there, man. Get out. He knew it. I have to get out of here. And he did eventually, of course. Um, but again, I stress the fact that maybe he got a good understanding of how not to act. His next role was better. This would be a big break for Heath. He was to star in a drama called Roar. It was a timepiece. And it was a series. It wasn't a soap opera, so that's good. <laughs> it was a Celtic setting. And Ledger played a prince. The show was produced by Sean Cassidy. And Sean needed a young teen idol type for the character and Heath fit the bill. Now Heath recalls that he did absolutely horrible in the audition. But he felt that the part was right for him. He just felt it inside. He got called back for more auditions and reached the final cuts where he was performing in front of film executives. Not too much pressure there. He left the process after auditioning for the executives feeling he blew it but found out a few weeks later that he got the part. He had fun with this show and was a quick study with both his acting and physical skills. He would learn how to ride a horse bareback with a sword. The show isn't bad. Uh, mind you, I didn't watch every episode. But Heath is so young in this. You also get to see an also a young Carrie Russell. The world would now get to see Heath Ledger because everything prior to this was Australian-based. This was an American production. It was Sink or Swim. Ledger got rave reviews, and critics united in this, claiming he was the best thing about it. Things were going to start happening now. The, the film 10 Things I Hate About You, it was successful, and I enjoy it. When it's on, I watch it. It's a silly movie. It's funny. It has a nice message. Um, and it works. Heath did a lot of improvising in the film and even started a relationship with co-star Julia Stiles. Next film I want to talk about is Two Hands. Now, I'm not sure if this film came before or after 10 Things I Hate About You, but I would have to say that this one came before. It's not a bad flick and Brian Brown is in it and I like him. He's an Australian actor. He was in Cocktail with Tom Cruise, I remember, and one of my all-time favorite 80s movies. And you're going to laugh when you hear this. It's called FX, and if you've never seen it, Brian Brown is in it, and he plays like this, uh, what is he, what is that, uh, special effects, right? For movies, he's like a special effects guy, and he gets like wrapped up in some kind of uh, CIA thing where he has to stage a fake assassination dude it's really good it's an 80s movie and i actually watched it a couple of days ago i think it's on amazon or something like that and i saw that as i was flipping through shit flipping through movies like okay i want to see if anything pops out at me and i saw fx i nearly shit myself i haven't seen it since i was a kid love that movie brian brown very good very impressive and he was also in along came polly with ben stiller he was in that as well. Okay, getting back here. Uh, anyway, um, I like this film. And this is where I see Ledger becoming very comfortable on screen. It's starting to click in this one. And it is also so damn hard 
to understand people with thick Australian accents. I struggle with some of these accents, and I find it hard to watch movies like Snatch with Brad Pitt. Forget it. Might be a great movie, right? But I would never know because I can't understand half of what they're saying. Gotta have the closed caption on going because I wouldn't understand anything. And that's another thing. The closed caption is something I've become addicted to. And it's really annoying for most people, but not for me. And I'll tell you something. I There are certain things with movies that I've seen in the past like 10, 15 times. And I have the closed caption going on. I get to see what they're actually saying. Sometimes I think they say something else or I miss something in the closed caption, it captures it all. I like it. I use the closed caption all the time. I thought I'd go ahead and throw that in there. You may not care, so. but anyways, I do. I, I, I watch a lot of stuff with closed caption. Figure. Um, Mel Gibson was always an idol to Heath Ledger. And acting alongside of him in The Patriot was a dream come true. In the year 2000, The Patriot hit the theaters. I went and saw this production in theater, like most of us, and the film earned over $100 million at the box office. Not bad. Gibson was paid $25 million for the role. Wow. Uh, Here it is. uh, A movie about America, right? And the two main characters are Australian. I love that. Heath always questioned why Americans waved their flags so high. And making this film made him realize why. Because... Americans went to hell and back to build their country. Heath performed his own stunts. It was during this time that Ledger was frustrated with the roles he was being offered after the Patriot. He turned down many scripts because it focused on him being a teenage heartthrob. He even considered moving back home to Australia and quit acting. Then this movie came around and it changed his mind. Heath was battling fellow actors for the role, and the follow, following actors that he was battling were Joshua Jackson, Elijah Wood, Jake Gyllenhaal, Brad Renfro, Paul Walker, and Ryan Felipe. And I guess the two finalists were Heath and Felipe. Ledger did a fine job in The Patriot. and I enjoyed this movie, um, but he wasn't blowing me away just yet with his performances. The next year brought us a film that made him a star. Knight's Tale. Not a big fan of this movie. My wife loves it. Not for me. Uh, I never had a desire to even sit down and watch the whole thing. I've seen pieces and parts, and I always just get up and leave. There is something about this movie that bothers me. Um, And I was kind of surprised that Heath Ledger did this movie. It just doesn't seem like he would enjoy doing a movie like this, but I guess I was wrong. Um... I think that he he enjoyed doing this movie. Um, I mean, he had complained a little while before that he didn't want to do heartthrob movies. And I think this is kind of like in that realm. Maybe not exactly, but something like it. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, this film, although very successful and original, is corny. And you can't deny it. Hey, it looked like he had a lot of fun. God bless him. I'm just not going to talk about it. All right, we're moving on. Uh, He made it up to me, though, in the next movie, and when he accepted a small role in the film Monster's Ball. Now, here we go. These are my types of projects. 
and he is acting with Billy Bob Thornton. The acting I see from Ledger in this small role showed me what he was capable of. The part when his character gets sick in the hall and he has to face his father later on is absolutely terrific. Billy Bob lays into him, telling him how worthless he is, then hits him. When Heath is left alone in the bathroom after all this is said and done, he reveals himself to us, his back up against the cold, hard wall. He is completely vulnerable and he feels, truthfully. One of those priceless and rare moments in cinema, and very noteworthy, Heath was going to be one of the best. His next film, The Four Feathers, wasn't talked about that much. Now, this film had been done in the past several times. This was a remake. Maybe they were just beating a dead horse. Maybe. But I was overwhelmingly impressed with Ledger's performance, his acting ability. He took flight in this one. He shut off any access defensive mechanisms he may have had, and he became the character. Plus, he transforms himself physically as well. He has long hair. He has short hair. He has a beard. He's clean cut. He's a mess. He's all over the place. I just, I was just very impressed. Uh, he is acting his ass off in this movie. It's not the best movie he did, okay? But it is notable to watch just to see him sort of grow the way he did in this movie. Very impressive. In 2003, Heath Ledger joined Orlando Bloom in the film called Ned Kelly. Okay, fucking love this performance by Ledger. Fucking love it. He completely becomes Ned Kelly. He plays a real person because Ned Kelly was a real person. Uh, this Ned Kelly was a huge story in Australia. He was uh, like a, I want to say, like a Robin Hood figure. And uh, he was eventually hung for his actions. Ledger changed his walk. And just the way he moves around for this character is different. It's not Ledger. You could tell he did a lot of work on this. One of the main things I notice in his acting ability is the way he mastered reacting moment to moment. It sounds easy, but it's not. The film, the next film I want to talk about, The Order, came next. And this was just not good. good. A little hiccup here in his career, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. This one definitely missed the mark. The performance by Heath is, is fine, alright? In, in regards to his acting, he's practically swinging and hitting everything that comes his way, moment to moment, right? But the directing and feel of the film is just downright off. The director was Brian Helgeland? Helgeland? I don't know. You know, he doesn't do much directing, um, but he's one hell of a writer. Maybe he should just stick to writing. He won an Academy Award for L.A. Confidential. And he also wrote Mystic River. Both excellent. But I wouldn't recommend this movie. Uh, the only thing of note is watching Ledger. That's it. Lords of Dogtown 2005. Ledger had no problem taking this role. This film is about skateboarding and surfing. The man he ended up playing in the film, Skip, was indeed a real person. And this guy, Skip... Wanted nobody but Heath Ledger to play him in the movie. Very cool and Heath was flattered. Once again, I watch Heath 
and he continues to grow and impress. He goes from confident acting with hardly ever missing moments, right? Because nobody's perfect and you know, you're not going to hit them all. And then I see him in this. Not only is he confident now that he finds it easier to release. So what I'm trying to say is that I think that he reached a point in his acting where he became so confident that it was easier for him to sort of let it go and have fun. Like he's reaching levels now of eliteness in acting. Um, And it's beautiful to watch. And you see it in this movie. Uh, There's a part in the film where he's waxing his surfboard and it's unforgettable. He's so loose and free. I love this movie. And I was a big skateboarder fan when I was uh, about a year ago. Maybe two years ago. Now, I had done a little bit of skateboarding when I was a kid. Not much. But I was always fascinated by it. And fascinated by all those kids that were really good at skateboarding. So I did some research at skateboarding a few years ago. And I became kind of obsessed with it. I watched all these documentaries. And it was just... Really interesting to find out about these skateboarders and how hard they work and all the contests that they entered and things like that. And I got to tell you, I think Rodney Mullen was the very best freestyle skater I have ever seen. The things he would do. Uh, I read up on him. I've seen documentaries on him. And he would state how long he would practice. I mean, as soon as he got up, he was practicing. And he would only stop to eat or to go to the bathroom. Constantly practicing. He loved it that much. And that goes to show in any field, whether where your your talents lie in your interests as well, and you find the time. You give it the time. Some go overboard. And those are the ones that become the very best. Then came a film that surprised everyone, including the director himself, Ang Lee. Lee states that he was just getting out of a funk, a deep depression, and wanted to do a quiet little film, never expecting the success and popularity the film would have. He was truly surprised by it. Your brother and sister do right by you? They did the best they could after my folks was gone. Considering they didn't leave us nothing but $24 in a coffee can. I got me a year of high school. Uh, before the transmission went on the pickup. And then my sis left from out of Roughneck, moved to Casper. Me and my brother, we we went and got ourselves from working on a ranch up near Warland until <clears throat> I was 19. And then he got married, and uh, no more room for me. And that's how come uh, me to end up here. more words than you spoke in the past two weeks. Hell, that's the most I've spoken in a year. Brokeback Mountain 
is a love story between two men. And you get just a gem of a film. It was Heath Ledger's best movie. Heath Ledger's best role. And Heath Ledger's second best performance. Jake Gyllenhaal will also give the performance of his life as well. Ledger would go on to say that he wasn't afraid of taking on the role of a gay man, but it made him nervous and uncomfortable. And it worked out just fine, he said, because his character, Delmar, was an uncomfortable guy. Listen to this. One of Daniel Day-Lewis's favorite films. He cites the reason for this as being Heath Ledger's performance. After Ledger's death, Day-Lewis dedicated his SAG Award for There Will Be Blood in 2007 to Ledger's memory, mentioning in particular the final scene in his trailer being, quote-unquote, as moving as anything I have ever seen, end of quote. Now that is one hell of a compliment from one of the greatest living actors, Daniel Day-Lewis. Had a lot of respect for Heath Ledger. That's saying something. Ledger felt that the script of Brokeback Mountain was the best he ever read. Heath would lose to Philip Seymour Hoffman for best actor that year. Ledger was better than Hoffman. Sorry, he was. He even met Michelle Williams on set and married her a short time after, having a daughter. And the last and terrific performance that Mr. Ledger left us was, of course, the Joker in the Dark Knight. And I want to go ahead and mention this. Oh, man. It's so tough. Watching him do this role. It it was hard. It's hard to explain. It really is. Because my previous episode, I was talking about Daniel Day-Lewis and how blown away I was by his performance in There Will Be Blood. And it's really strange that within the next episode, it's coming full circle in a weird way because he dedicated that Oscar that he won in 2007 for There Will Be Blood to Heath Ledger. And here I am. I didn't plan this at all. Not at all. I'm not lying. I wouldn't lie about this. I'm just finding it very interesting that that this coincidence is happening or it's just sort of kind of falling into place the way it is or it has. And it's really n- nice to have these connections when I'm doing this uh, this podcast. And this episode of Heath Ledger means a lot to me in the same way when I did the River Phoenix episode. It's something about these young... Uh, very talented, bright, um, dedicated actors who could have been just amazing and given us so many great performances. And it hurts me that we won't get to see that because they passed on already. It just seems like it's not fair. Let me just come out and say it. It is not fair. James Dean, River Phoenix, John Belushi, uh, you know, I'm... You know, Heath Ledger, I'm going on and on here because I kind of wanted to get off my chest. But I guess that's just the way it is. That's life. That's reality. That's just the way it was supposed to be. Bright shooting stars, man. 
I mean, that's what they talk about, these bright shooting stars. And then they become legend. And that is exactly what Heath Ledger did with this role. The Joker. He took the Joker to another level. Who would have thought that Jack Nicholson's performance as the Joker would have been completely crushed? (laughs) And I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. I love He played on him so well. He made him cartoonish and dark. But Heath Ledger... Locked himself like in a, a hotel room, I heard, for weeks, like almost a couple of months. Locked himself away, did deep research, um, played around with certain voices, I guess. Really delved into it. I mean, he wanted to do something so special. And I think that a lot of actors were afraid to take this role. Um, because they felt, my God, Jack Nicholson did it in, you know, in the 80, I think it was 88. And there's no way I'm touching it. He was so good in that. I'm going to suck. They're going to compare me to Jack Nicholson. No, I ain't going to do it. Heath took it, man. He wanted to do it. And he went into it believing that he was going to do something different, so different. And he did. This film made over $1 billion. That is absolutely incredible. That's a successful film. Michael Caine was incredibly impressed with Heath Ledger, then went on to say that when he was rehearsing with Heath, he became frightened and forgot his lines. <laughs> wow. Nice. Ledger, like I said, locked himself into a hotel room for six weeks and also says that his voice, he tried to a mix Sid Vicious uh, with Alex from A Clockwork Orange. A movie done by Stanley Kubrick. But I also see a lot of like, if you go and look at old footage of Tom Waits, you're going to see a lot of Heath Ledger's Joker in Tom Waits. Actor Aaron Eckert, who played Two-Face, says that during the hospital scene with Heath Ledger, uh, Heath would prepare for the scene By pacing and mumbling to himself for an extended period of time. This made Eckert very nervous. And he raised his hand up by instinct. By like a reaction. And Heath, close by, reacted in the same way. By grabbing Eckert's hand and it worked. Then when the scene was over, Ledger said to Eckert, Now that is what acting is all about. This film came out. In July of 2008. Heath Ledger left us in January earlier that year. He never got to see the premiere. He was 28 years old. Quite simply his death was tragic. And he joins the likes of James Dean. River Phoenix. For passing way before their time. You know. I also think too many people. And I want to touch upon his death. And before I did my research. On um, Mr. Ledger. I often. Or I thought. That his death was very mysterious. And I think we do that to ourselves. When we find it hard to cope. With uh, a loss. Or something that happens. That's tragic. We always seem to want to create these. uh, uh, What do they call those? Where it's a conspiracy. You know. Oh, Okay. Why did they do this? And why did they do that? And then you start questioning things like, oh, what really happened? And uh, maybe there's like some 
reason why he died. He would never kill himself. Or, this is no accident. And it must be somebody's fault. You know, after doing my research, I found out that Heath battled um, uh, insomnia for a long time. He had trouble sleeping. And one of the things I mentioned earlier in this episode, and, and I want to stress, is that he had one of those minds that was constantly racing, going all the time. And it's almost kind of frustrating. And when you see him in interviews, like you could see that about him. Very fidgety. You could tell he had a lot of energy. A lot going on in this guy. This guy had a lot going on. And he would find it hard to sleep. He would find it hard to turn it off. And he would take sleeping pills and painkillers to help him sleep. The guy just wanted to sleep more than one or two hours a night. Because basically that's all he was doing. If he didn't sleep at all, um, he was sleeping one or two hours a night. And it was also explained by not only his parents, but his sister would tell him, Heath, listen, I know you're taking a lot of pain medication and sleeping pills. Be careful what you do. You may mix something you're not supposed to, and it's going to knock you out. And she warned him about this. And I guess it was just he took too many pills. He mixed some pills. Um, I saw the list of things they found in his system. A lot of pain relievers they found in his system. That night, he must have had a hard time sleeping and decided to mix things he shouldn't have. So I want to go ahead and point out, here's this scoop. That after he was found dead, okay, people automatically assumed that because the masseuse, there was a masseuse that was going to come and give him a massage. <clears throat> I guess he had a massage planned for that day. The masseuse arrived at the scheduled time and opened the door and saw Heath Ledger on the ground, naked, um, not breathing. And but instead of calling 911, the masseuse found his phone. And the first thing that she found on speed dial was one of the Olsen twins. And the masseuse called her first. And for some reason she did. Anyways, she ended up calling 911 next. It's unusual she called Olsen first, but it's an unusual situation. The fact is that Heath had a history of having insomnia. And like I said, mixed the wrong drugs. Although Heath's marriage to Michelle Williams ended and that affected him greatly, he was still a happy young man that was having a successful acting career. He was in the prime of his life in his acting prowess. You are missed, Mr. Ledger. There is no doubt about it. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Actor's Room in this edition of Heath Ledger. Before I go any further though. I have to play for you that clip that I promised you. Daniel Day-Lewis. Talking about Heath Ledger. And I'm going to go ahead and set it up for you. He's giving a. Like a. A video interview. With Oprah Winfrey. Like Oprah's having her show right. And he's like on the screen. You know up on the screen. He's not really there in person. He's probably you know. In England or something. Wherever he lives. Anyway. He's up on the screen, and they're talking about a movie, blah, blah, blah. And right in the middle of it, he's like, I have to stop. And then he starts talking about Heath Ledger, because I guess Heath had passed a few days prior. And this clip 
I never knew about this clip. And doing the research, I found it. I stumbled upon it. And it gave me goosebumps. You see Daniel Day-Lewis just really take in the fact that he misses Heath Ledger. And what's interesting is, he says in the clip I'm going to play, he didn't even meet him. He never even knew him. Just, he respected his acting so much that he was deeply affected by the, the loss of Heath Ledger. Even Daniel Day-Lewis felt it too. Um, I want to go ahead and play that clip for you. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. You enjoy the rest of your day. God bless you. Have a good one. The work has been fascinating enough and has unleashed a curiosity that then you can't really control just because somebody says it's time to go home now. Um, and uh, so I think it is important to let time pass. Uh, I certainly couldn't conceive of going straight back to work immediately after. You know, it's like the house is haunted for a while. And, um, but but, but, it's, but it's, it's with your invitation, in a way, that the house remains haunted. Um, I'm sorry, Oprah, something I, I hope you don't mind if I, if I, if I speak about this, but there's something I, I feel very unsettled um, at the moment. And, and I suppose it's because uh, I only just saw the, the news about Heath Ledger's death. And, um, oh, yes. It just seems, it seems somehow strange to be talking about anything else. Uh, not that there's anything to say really, except to express one's regret and, and, yes. To, yes. Uh, and to say from the bottom of one's heart uh, um, to, 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 to his family and to his friends that, uh, that I'm, I'm sorry for their trouble. I didn't know him. Uh, I have an impression, a strong impression, I would have liked him very much as a man if, if I had. I'd already marveled at some of his work and had looked forward so much to seeing the work that he would do in the future. So, I'm glad you said that. Thank you very much. Thank you for saying that. So yes, I, I'm sure it's unsettling now to be having all of this Oscar talk when we're in the midst of trying to figure out, uh, here in the United States, we're waiting on the autopsy report to find out exactly what did happen uh, to him. But um, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. Well, thank you, Oprah. I do pray to God that, that they allow his, his family particularly and his friends to, to grieve in the way that they need to uh, in the weeks and, and, and months to come because this is something they're going to be living with, obviously, for the rest of their lives.
Thank you.